All right, everybody, welcome to the Backseat Huddle Podcast, episode 39. As always, I'm your host, Tristan Weber, and today I'm going to be talking to you guys about Aaron Rodgers. we got talking to you guys about who needs to take Bijan Robinson, because there is one team out there that absolutely needs to take him. Once again, Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, and I'm also going to be talking about some more Tom Brady unretirement chatter. So as always, let's go ahead and get into it. All right, so the big headline is, as of March 24th, Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. Now, before I get into this, I do want to admit something to the five people that are going to listen to this. I will admit that I do not like Aaron Rodgers. I find him to be absolutely insufferable, but I will put that aside, and I will do everything I can to be as objective as I can for you. So now that Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet, there are, I'm putting the parameters of the trade up on the screen. I'm sorry for my audio only listeners. You can look it up on your own when you get to wherever you're at. There's going to be a lot of people that look at this Jets Packers trade and will say that either the Jets got fleeced or the Packers got fleeced or this person, this team absolutely won the trade. And I don't really care about that right now. It is really fun to have a big knee-jerk reaction. But at this moment, we don't know who won this trade. If the Jets win the Super Bowl, they absolutely did not get fleeced. And if they just don't do well at all, they absolutely did get fleeced. We do not know who won this trade at this moment. And I'm really not that interested in talking about who won the trade. It's fun to talk about, but it's, it's silly. We don't know as of this moment. What I would like to talk about is the expectations for the New York Jets now that they have Aaron Rodgers. There are a lot of people out there who are going to look at this New York Jets team and what they achieved last season without great quarterback play and are going to say that this team is going to win the Super Bowl. And my response to that is simply, why? Why do you feel that just because Aaron Rodgers is currently a New York Jet, that they are suddenly going to win the Super Bowl? I'm going to tell you right now, that isn't happening. The level of expectation for the New York Jets absolutely should change now that Aaron Rodgers is there. But Aaron Rodgers does not make them a Super Bowl lock, and he barely makes the New York Jets a Super Bowl contender. The last time Aaron Rodgers hoisted the Lombardi Trophy was exactly the last time he was in the Super Bowl as well, and that was in 2010. That's 13 years ago. Since then, Aaron Rodgers is barely over 500 in the postseason at 12 and 10, and he has time and time again come up short in big moments since winning that Super Bowl. I know everyone doesn't want to hear it, but it's the reality. So let's talk about it and let's break it down season by season. Last season, final week, final game. 
of the season against the Lions, who found out that day they were knocked out of playoff contention. So they weren't playing for anything but to ruin the Packers' night. The Packers have a win, and you are in. You win, you're going to the playoffs, you lose, you're not. The Packers scored 16 points at home and missed the playoffs. 2021 season, went into the playoffs with the number one seed in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers got absolutely shut down in the playoffs, wouldn't throw the ball to open receivers, choosing instead to throw to Aaron Jones 10 to 12 times, lost in the divisional round game once again at home to the 49ers 13 to 10. 2020 season, lost in the NFC Championship game to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at home. This is an acceptable loss. I could make this loss worse than it actually is, but in my opinion, really in my opinion, he choked in the biggest spot in this game on that third or fourth down. But I don't think there's any shame in losing to a Tom Brady-led team in the playoffs, so I won't crucify him for this. However, that loss did bring his overall record in championship games to one and four, which is a little bit pathetic for a player of Aaron Rodgers' caliber. 2019 season. Once again, number one seed playing at home got blown out 37 to 20 by the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Then the Packers missed the playoffs in 2017, 2018, and Aaron Rodgers was dealing with some big injuries. 2016 got blown out 44 to 21 by the Atlanta Falcons once again in the NFC Championship game. That is the guy that you think is going to win you the Super Bowl? Let's look at the quarterbacks that Aaron Rodgers has faced in his last five win or go home games in order. Jared Goff, Jimmy G, Tom Brady, Jimmy G again, and Matt Ryan. And now he's in a division with Josh Allen and a conference with Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. What evidence is there to suggest that Aaron Rodgers will have more success with a now that he is in a more difficult conference? Not only am I going to double down on saying that Aaron Rodgers and the Jets absolutely will not win the Super Bowl, they probably won't even win their own division. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have spent the last decade dominating a highly dysfunctional division where they were playing at best a Jay Cutler and a Kirk Cousins twice a year. Aaron Rodgers is entering a real division in the AFC East featuring Josh Allen twice a year, Bill Belichick, the greatest defensive coach in NFL history, twice a year, and the Miami Dolphins team that looked really good when Tua was at the helm, and they have an excellent young offensive head coach. Right now, at this moment, the New York Jets might have the fourth best coach in their division. This isn't the NFC North anymore. There's also issues of how committed Aaron Rodgers is as well. This is a question mark. This is a guy who is going to walk into a brand new team after considering retirement for the past 900 days with brand new receivers, brand new coach, and he wouldn't even attend OTAs last season when he had new receivers. For comparison's sake, when Brady in 2020 went to the, went to the Buccaneers against all CDC suggestions during COVID, got all of his teammates together at a high school football field so they could get together, practice, and run routes together. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets isn't what you think it is. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is not Tom Brady joining the Buccaneers, is not Peyton Manning joining the Broncos. The good news is that it isn't going to be Russell Wilson to the Broncos either. 
the Jets are going to be a good to very good team with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, but they are not winning the Super Bowl and they probably won't win their division either. So that's my strong opinion on that. So I'm going to go ahead and shift over to the draft a little bit. And I try to stay out of draft conversations because I don't watch college football. So I don't really know the players. I don't know how they play. I don't know who's a good fit where. And I try to talk about things that I have some idea about. And college football and the draft are out of my comfort zone. So I tend to leave it alone. However, I do know a little bit about draft wisdom. And the recent trend about the draft is don't take running backs in the first round as they rarely get a second contract and they tend to break down early. Now, we all know that the NFL draft is nothing more than an educated guess. However, as of recent, NFL draft pundits and draft analysts have gotten really, really good at projecting top-tier NFL running backs. The guys who get mocked in the top 10 and get that generational label that we hear get thrown around, thrown around those guys who have gotten the pre-draft hype have lived up to it recently. Look at guys like Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley. They were all incredible in their prime, and they were all given that label of generational talent before they were drafted, and the analysts ended up being right. Despite that, I firmly believe that the days of building your team around a running back and the running game are long gone. And I heavily fall into the camp that you shouldn't take a running back in the first round. We see evidence of it all the time. Most recently, Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs was a seventh rounder who looked great this season. And the Chiefs moved off of a first round running back to go with him down the stretch. I believe building your team around an amazing running back is the key to mediocrity, being just below average, being just above average looking at the Cowboys, Titans, Raiders, and the Panthers, and they had McCaffrey. However, there is a running back in B. John Robinson in this year's draft who is being given that generational talent type of label. So I'm going to believe that he's going to be great based on recent draft history, and he's being mocked as that next big guy. So there's going to be teams up there in the draft order that are going to be looking at taking him top 10, top 15, which would be a mistake for 29 out of 32 teams. If you're going to get a generational running back, okay, you need to be a team that is looking for one explosive piece, that one player to help push you over the top, to help get you that extra weapon, to help get you that extra whatever it may be to get you over the hump. The problem is the teams that fit that description are often picking at the back of the first round. So they don't usually get their hands on that type of player at the running back position. And most teams aren't willing to trade up for that player who likely won't get a second contract. And moreover, they feel that they can get value at running back later in later rounds. That criteria eliminates two of the teams that I believe should make a run at B. John Robinson in Cincinnati and Buffalo. However, the Philadelphia Eagles are sitting at number 10 without a ton of holes in their roster and are Super Bowl ready and more or less have a need at running back. If you are the Philadelphia Eagles, you have to take Bijan Robinson. I understand that there's a lot of people 
that want them to draft Jackson Smith and Jigba or another wide receiver at that 10 spot. However, the draft gives you five to 10 legitimate wide receiver prospects every year. The draft only gives you one generational running back type of player every few years. If the Philadelphia Eagles have an opportunity to add a generational player, a home run prospect that you are not going to get the opportunity to draft again, you have to take him. If you're the Eagles, you have to pass on Jackson Smith and Jigba because you can get a wide receiver three for your team at pick 30. You are not going to get the opportunity to have the type of player Bijan Robinson is again at this spot. Your team is going to be too good. You are not going to have, most likely, a top 10 pick for the foreseeable future. You're not going to have this opportunity again. You, as the Eagles, have to draft Bijan Robinson. Like I said earlier, draft pundits have gotten really good at projecting the next great running back. Imagine adding 2016 Ezekiel Elliott to this Philadelphia Eagles roster. That's the type of player that draft experts are saying Bijan Robinson is. How do you pass that up? I understand your concern that you're going to be wasting a pick because you won't be able to give Bijan a second contract. But in this unique scenario, you as the Philadelphia Eagles are coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and you're picking 10th. It doesn't matter. Your Super Bowl window is right this second. It is right now. Your Super Bowl window, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, is within the range of B. John Robinson's rookie contract. If you're the type of team that the Philadelphia Eagles are, which is a Super Bowl-ready team, you don't need depth. You need impact. B. John Robinson is arguably the best player in this draft, regardless of position, and you have the opportunity to get him. When's the next time you're going to be able to say that if you're the Philadelphia Eagles? You're likely going to be picking in the 20s for the foreseeable future. You are not going to have this opportunity again to get this type of player in this spot. You have to take the B. John Robinson at number 10 if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm spirited today. <laughs> All right, moving on to my final topic and a player that I really, really love. Tom Brady appeared to be at a conference of some sort. I don't know what this is. And at this conference, Tom Brady was asked if he would come out of retirement to play for Miami. And he gave this answer. Well, I will say now that I'm not affiliated with any team anymore, even though I have strong ties to a couple of teams, I do have some friends on the Dolphins that I really like. So I wouldn't say I necessarily root for them all the time, but I root for my friends to do well and several of them play for Miami. So he didn't exactly give a no. Now, talking about Tom Brady unretiring, generally when I turn on the camera and I hop on the microphone, I like to present a strong opinion one way or the other. I really want to be able to step up to this mic and firmly tell you how I believe one way or the other in regards to Tom Brady unretiring, and I can't on this one. I always hear Colin Cowherd say it's possible to believe two things at once. And here are my two beliefs about Tom Brady on potentially unretiring. Number one, Tom Brady absolutely could come back this season and be in Super Bowl contention with the Miami Dolphins. And number two, he absolutely should not unretire. 
And I'll explain why for both. Number one, Tom Brady could come back right now and be in Super Bowl contention with the Dolphins. At this moment, Tom Brady is not the same quarterback we saw when he was 30-something years old where he can take the team, elevate them on a consistent basis. He can elevate the team occasionally and in big moments and in big spots, but at 45 years old, he needs the team to help elevate him too. And is there a better team in the NFL than Miami to do just that? If you look at all the advanced metrics and all the advanced next-gen statistics that are out there on Tua Tungavailoa, where he is first in literally every single thing in the world, okay, keep that in mind. Prior to last season, Tua was basically considered a bust, and if not, he was hinging on that bust precipice. And we saw what he was able to produce. So what would our expectations be for the greatest quarterback to ever play be in that same offense? We just watched Tom Brady in back-to-back years set the NFL record for completions and attempts. The dude can still sling the ball. And there are those out there who want to point to him and the losing record last season and the way they played last season and say that he's washed up and he's over the hill, which are both wrong. Tom Brady is slightly over the hill, but he's not washed up. But at 45 years old, you would be a little bit washed up too. However, when the Brady is washed up, takes lose merit is they do not take into consideration the offensive coaching that the Buccaneers had last season. Last season, the Buccaneers had failed New York Jets uh, head coach Todd Bowles, who got elevated from defensive coordinator. So they had a defensive head coach and they had beleaguered former offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, who was supposed to be fired at mid season, but he got that firing got overruled by Todd Bowles. I watched every single game the Buccaneers played last season, and if you couldn't see how bad the offensive coaching was, I can't help you. Meanwhile, Miami has one of the best young offensive coaches in the NFL, Mike McDaniel, and a stable of receiving targets that are up there with the best of the league and would undoubtedly be the best that Brady has had since he won that Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. So Tom Brady to the Dolphins would undoubtedly be one of the best offenses in the NFL. However, Tom Brady should not unretire. Just because I believe he would do extremely well if he decided to play for the Dolphins does not mean that he should. First reason is it's just bad optics. That's embarrassing. Unretiring a second time is embarrassing. Doing it the first time was a little bit embarrassing, but doing it again, yikes. It's a little embarrassing doing it the first time, but doing it a second time would just be bad for your image. You don't want to look like Brett Favre, and this is becoming decidedly Favre in if he did decide to unretire again. It wouldn't be good for his brand. You would look flaky and you would look non committed. This is very much Michael Scott having a sectomy. Do you have any idea the physical toll two unretirements having a person snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap? Second reason. Tom Brady shouldn't unretire to play with Miami is the competition is just decidedly more difficult in the AFC and the AFC East specifically. This isn't the same AFC East that Brady dominated for 20 years where no one could get it together. He is walking. He would be walking into arguably the most difficult division in the NFL playing Josh Allen twice a year, Bill Belichick's defense twice a year and Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Ouch, man. That's not a cakewalk. Then. When slash if Brady led the Dolphins to the playoffs, they would have to contend with Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Herbert. That is just an absolute gauntlet. 
It does not make sense to sign up for that if you're Tom Brady. In the NFC, it's a little different because right now the best quarterback in the NFC is Jalen Hurts and then Dak Prescott. The NFC is a different, it's just, it's just a lot tamer. It's a lot different beast. Given I don't feel that Tom Brady would be scared of the competition, but you have to have some level of realism and understand that the AFC is just a different monster right now and it just wouldn't make sense for him to unretire. So that is it. That is my show. Once again, thank you all for listening. Feel free to like and subscribe if you're watching. Take care, everybody.